it's, it's raw. It's very raw and it's humbling. It's, you know, those are the type of things that, that I hear when I may come to work when I'm dealing with a, a youth that may be struggling um, with communicating his emotions and his feelings. You know, they, it's not about everybody's created, everybody's treated the same in that environment. So it really teaches a humbleness and also just to be connected to the youth in that way. I see how, um, how small, how small we are, but how big of a change that we can, we can make. It is a new season of the 40 Lessons Podcast. My name is Todd B. Waldo. Thank you, as always, for checking out 40 Lessons. This is episode 55, and I got on Zoom with my man, Mighty Joshua. So I'm over here in Churchill. I said, what's up, man? I got a chance to get on Zoom with him, and we talked about a lot of things. We talked about him growing up in Virginia, you get to hear about some of the music he's working on today. We talk about what's happening in our community today. Lots of things, and I'm just excited to share this conversation with you. I want you to stay tuned after because I got to tell you about some work that actually Joshua is doing over in Kenya uh, with the Bikindu Children's Program. So let's get into this conversation now with Vani Joshua, and then stay tuned so I can talk to you about Bikindu right here on the 40 Lessons Podcast. It's a rainy day in Churchill. I'm in the home office, and on the screen in front of me is a dear brother. Every time I'm around him, there is so much love and good energy. Mighty Joshua, my man, is on the screen. What's up, brother? Peace, brother. What's happening, Todd? Man, I tell you what. Um, so <laughs> I, I saw you super random in Churchill walking over to Union Market. Shout out to Union Market, who's back open up again in Churchill. Big up, Union Market. I was like, hey! You were like, hey! <laughs> <laughs> it was just good to see your face, because like life doesn't just like connect us the way it normally does. Normally, we just see each other out you know, at the festivals, doing the music thing. So it was just good to see your face. Right, well, I, don't, I haven't really been going into markets like that, so you caught me. Um, that was probably one of my first ventures yeah. yeah. Um, out. I was I was on my way to do some work and I needed some some refreshments. So yeah, it was good to see you, brother. You just stopped in the middle of the road. I was like, that's that's my brother right there. He don't care nothing. We're <laughs> gonna have a moment right here in the middle of the street. I love it. That's right. Well, that's a Churchill thing too. We're just gonna stop traffic. Right? Stop traffic, brother. That's right. Uh, there's a few things I want to talk about. Uh, I I I really appreciate. You know, like I said, every time that I see you and every time we're on stage together or sharing, you know, an event, like the energy is always right with you. And and I wonder as a person whose music is just is just full of full of energy and full of life and full of joy and full of sorrow. Like there's so much packed into what you present. Um, I don't know how you maintain that. Like how, as an artist, like to get up every time and cause you give us so much when you're on that stage. Like how, yeah. how have you figured out, like, I gotta, is there a way you kind of live and just kind of manage things to make sure you've got enough to give us, especially now, like, cause you're still performing now, right? Yeah. 
Facebook lives and these things? Like, how do you, how do you get ready to get up there and give us all that you give us every time? Um, it's a couple different things. Um, I think it was the gift that my mother and my father gave me, um, just to give it all, you know, every chance that you get, um, give it all. Um, I also, I had an injury a while back, maybe about seven years ago, where I, I was right after I finished my album, my first album. Um, I thought I was going to tour. I thought I was going to get into like being all over the place, jumping around on stage. Um, and I had an injury to my leg, which um, kept me in the bed for like six or seven months, man. I had surgery. It, it, it was a rough journey. And while being in the bed, for someone who loves to travel and move about, um, I realized that sometimes we take simple things like standing for granted. So I said, uh, I made a promise to my leg um, that I would use it. Uh, once I was able to get out of the bed, I would dance, I would run. I would just try not to take it for granted. So a part of that, seriously, if it wasn't for the accident, I don't know if I would have such of a high intensity um, show. And in order to be able to sustain that, you know, I have, I, I eat ital food, I exercise, um, I condition. And I condition because I want to be healthy, but I also condition because people come to a show um, they want to hear you and they want to see you. People spend money that they sometimes don't even have to come and support you. So as an artist, you have to give people as much as you can. They come in to see you and hear you. So, you know, you got to put on the show, man. You got to go to work. That idea of preparation, like to get ready to have something to give to an audience. How did you, how did you learn that? Like what taught you? that that's what it's supposed to be. Like there's a depth to what you give us, right? You took time to decide the song, you know, you got this deep passion because of this energy, but you, like you decided, I, there's gotta be some depth to who I am as an artist to make sure I give the audience this kind of experience. Were you taught that? Like this is what it's supposed to be or on your journey to figure out this is who I'm gonna be, I'm just going to figure it out on my own. But I don't know if that was taught to you or you just figured this thing out. Man, much of this stuff with music, I haven't, nobody taught me. You know what I mean? Like a lot of my whole life. I mean, I think there are a lot of lessons, sure. a whole lot of lessons, more than, more than 40 even. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <I think> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> there are a whole lot of lessons that come together to that create us, uh, that make us who we are. And so we pick up all these, these, these truths um, that make us who we are. So nobody really taught me that there's necessarily a preparation for uh, a show. But I think that when, we, uh, when you look at like a holistic life, when you look at um, trying to have a, a well-balanced, rounded life, when you know that um, this thing feeds this thing, and if this isn't taken care of, then this can't, can't be taken care of, um, and really not separate your life from your art. I, I don't know if an artist can do that anyways, but that's really what it is. It's like, it's already a part of me. And so this is what I present. Um, some of it may have been like downloaded into my DNA. Again, I, I give my, my mother and my father a lot of credit for what they've given me. Um, but yeah, I've not really taught. I've been taught some things in music for sure. I've got some amazing mentors, yeah. but there's certain things that I feel like you don't really 
you aren't necessarily directly taught. You just kind of figure it out or it's a part of who you are already. Tell me, uh, tell me a little bit about, about, about your parents. Where, where were you born? I was born in Charlottesville, Charlottesville, Virginia. Okay. When you, when you were born, what were your, what were your parents doing? What, what were they doing in the world? My father was working at A&P, a grocery store. Yeah, I know and, the A&P. Yeah. All right. <laughs> that was, like, we had A&Ps in Jersey. We had yeah. There. Yeah. I didn't, you know what? I did know that they were up north. Um, I think there were some in Pennsylvania, too. Um, but, yeah, so my father was working at an A&P. He, was, uh, he worked really hard. He was an outdoorsman. Um, he hunted. He, uh, he loved being out in the woods and outside. Um, he also really enjoyed cutting grass, cutting wood. And um, he's a man of the earth. You know what I mean? Um, hard working man. And then uh, my mother was probably teaching, hmm. teaching when I was born. Maybe at Buford. I don't know. I need to ask her what she was doing. <laughs> yeah, but my mother's been a teacher for a long, a long time. Was your was it a musical household? Like, was there like do you, either your did your parents play, your siblings play, or was it just music playing? Like, was that was that a vibe at home? So yeah, there was always music playing. We had a I don't know if uh it, hopefully you know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> we had a, a case mm -hmm. in my living room, mm -hmm. and it looked like it was like a just a wooden case. But if yeah. you opened it up, there was a record player. Did it the top. Yep. There was a there was an eight track. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> and in that wooden case, there were these big ass speakers. Yeah. And it probably was like some of the most beautiful. Like I wish I had one of them now. I don't know where the one that we had. Those had. are. I tried to find one. They are super expensive. Bro, the sound on those it's okay. immaculate. Yes. Yeah. It's so rich. Um. So. That that was in my living room, and so we played a lot of music. When my mother would, uh, you know, <laughs> I would try to go outside and like cut grass and cut wood with my father, but my allergies were so bad. I can't believe I'm telling you this. <laughs> I can't believe I'm telling you this. I'd be outside cutting grass and, and whatnot, start sneezing and eyes swollen, and my father would be like, "Go in the house with your mother." So. <laughs> so <laughs> So I would go in the house and then my mother, so instead of being outside cutting grass and whatnot, and I'd, I'd still do that as well, but um, I'd go inside and I'd dust and like wash, wash dishes and like mop the floors and whatnot with my mother. Um, and so the music was always jumping. And my mother and father loved like uh, Gladys Knight, Cool in the Gang, Anita Baker. Um, and so we used to go to these summertime music series at King's Dominion. I don't know if you know about those, but Cool and the Gang used to tour and they'd come to King's Dominion. Yeah. And so that was probably one of my first shows that I really remember as far as like shows go. But my brother was an all-star drummer in high school. He was a celebrity, local celebrity. Um, another one of my brothers introduced me to like reggae music and like, the culture of, of African music. Mm -hmm. And then we started DJing once I got a little bit older. So music in one sense or another is always been a part of my life. I just never thought I'd be a singer ever in my life. Ever. Well, I remember you and I talked. Um, we had a conversation off to the, the stage, and because um, I'm a percussionist as well, and we were just talking, and I talk about playing. And you talked about this journey of like becoming a percussionist and a singer 
which wasn't necessarily <laughs> what you were. Yeah, I remember this. Yeah, so tell. Right, I want you to tell the people that story because that that wasn't really what you were. Because you said like you had to become a singer, you had to kind of become a percussionist, but that wasn't necessarily the track that you were on. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I need to find like a way to like really put this put this into a nutshell. So I, what I will say is that I, I learned African percussion once I came to Richmond. Mm -hmm. when, when, I, when I came to VCU, um, I, I, I met some drummers, some West African drummers, and it blew my mind. I learned a couple of rhythms, some traditional rhythms, blew my mind. And I, this is, I feel like I'm home. And I'd seen drummers before, but something happened when I came to Richmond. And so I started going to the VCU dance classes that Sister Faye was teaching at the time. And so some of my drum mentors were, were the drummers that would provide the, the percussion for the dance classes. Mm -hmm. And these brothers are flame. They are, they are amazing. There ain't no time for no shucking and jiving in there, man. Like, and so I got invited to come and start to play. Me and my older brother started to go there to play percussion. And that's where I learned um, it's like boot camp, man. Like you, you got to figure it out quick and practice a lot before you come to class because they're not there to teach you. You need to watch, listen, pay attention, and don't mess it up. So that's where I really got my my roots into learning African percussion. And I started playing in reggae. I started playing reggae music, and I started incorporating that West African drum into some of the reggae bands that I started to find myself in. Mm -hmm. And then. Um, yeah, man. I had like one or two songs that I just kind of played around with and never thought I'd sing them. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then uh, my producer for my first album, Chris Whitley, uh, Peanut, they call him Peanut, uh, Stable Roots Productions. Uh, he came and sat in on keys with us one night, a band I was in called Antero, um, Wally Jones, lead singer. Yeah. And um, yeah, man, and he came in and played keys and I played my, my one, two songs I had called Economic Crisis. And Mighty Joshua, which uh, Sam Prevanic, my now bass player, kind of helped me create these songs in his garage in Fulton. Mm -hmm. And um, performed them one night, and Peanut was like, yo, man, you got, you got a special little thing, man. Like, the way people respond to you is like how I see people respond to some of these huge acts that I support. You know, he would tour with the Itals, he toured with Joseph Hill Culture, some of my favorite reggae band. And he was like, you need to continue, you know, continue doing this thing. And I'm like, yo, man, this is terrifying. I do not want to. <laughs> uh, and I've been encouraged by some people in my life. You know, Michael Farley, another guy, that, uh, another brother of mine that encouraged me to sing. He heard me sing Redemption Song one time. Mm -hmm. um, and so I never thought I'd do it in front of people. Peanut started sending me songs and um, I just started writing to him. And it was more like poetry. And then he kind of helped me format them into songs. And then after we finished 12 songs, he was like, we got an album and now it's time to tour it. And it was terrifying to me. I was like, I didn't see this coming, yeah. you know? Um, I get so wrapped up in the moment to where sometimes I don't realize um, that I'm on a journey um, that is creating something else bigger for myself. And uh, so then started, uh, we started touring, man. He, yeah. he, he gave me my first show at the Hampton Coliseum. Um, with uh that was my my first show as a solo artist yeah um and then i started to put together my own band which includes some members of antero um and that's kind of how it happened man it was not my plan trust me brother <laughs> <laughs> is, is that i 
does that journey give you that sense of journey? Does that give you some comfort, like to know you're on a path, right? You've come from a place, you're headed to a place. Does that sense of kind of journey and purpose give you a little, little comfort? Like I'm headed somewhere. Like I know there's provision for me. There's, there's, there's a, there's a place I'm headed. Does that, does that comfort you knowing that you're on a, that you're on a path? I try not to really ever get comfortable. Hmm. Um, it's nice to know that if I slip up, if, if things get kind of sideways for a brother, then my ancestors and my angels are there to catch me. Um, they work overtime, man. Um, my wife always talks about how our angels are always working overtime. And they are, man. Like our ancestors are constantly like trying to write us. And so I try not to get comfortable because I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to take them for granted, but it's a real blessing to know that if, and when I slip up and make some mistakes that I kind of got a little bit of a safety net, I do feel protected, man. I do feel guided. Um, and I felt that way my whole life. Um, it's something, it's a special feeling, but I try not to take it for granted. So therefore I try not to get too one of the one of the best things we get to do, I think at this phase in our lives, you know, we get to honor the people, the places, all these moments that create who we are now. And we're still figuring stuff out, but like we can look back and say, just like you've done in the last few minutes, like this person in this place and we were in this garage, like you remember like all these little moments. And at the time, you ain't know you were becoming this. <laughs> right. Like we were just in the garage playing and we were just in this space. And um, I think it helps us to be very present, like present now, but knowing, yeah, this may turn into something, but if it doesn't, I think that's okay too. Cause I'm just present. I'm just present. <laughs> How, I'm just present. Has that helped you? I mean, you're a family man and, and, and we are in, I don't know, probably some of the hardest eight months many of us have ever been in, you know, as we started 2020. Has that helped you just kind of be present at home with your family? Because this is very different. Like you can't travel as much. You can't be out as much, right? You're home more. Has that helped you just kind of be at home and be with family and just like kind of be in this moment? Let's see what this moment is for us as a, as a family. Um, I'm I love being at home, man. <laughs> um, I enjoy traveling. I, I enjoy being on the run, but that is somewhat of a that's something that I that's something that I do. Mm -hmm. um, but I love being at home. I love being able to see how the sun casts shadows in my house at different parts of the times of the day. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? The sun comes up over here and it sets over here. I like to be able to see all of that and when you're on the run you can't really experience um that space um, i enjoy being in the garden i enjoy practicing um the life skills that we're not taught in school that we need to survive mm. i enjoy watching my chickens run around you know what i mean i during this pandemic i've been able to start learning about mushrooms and growing mushrooms out of logs. You know what I'm saying? So these are the things that I would have, I would have done if I never left 
Charlottesville or Keswick, because I really grew up in Keswick. I say Charlottesville because a lot of people don't know where Keswick is. Yeah. But um, this, is, this is my comfort zone. As long as we can stay healthy, as long as me and my family can stay healthy and the people that are close to me can stay healthy, this will actually be a time of growth and strengthening and reaffirming our foundations. Mm -hmm. um, I'm thankful. Um, I'm thankful for the time that has been afforded for me to be able to kind of reconnect and reground and not be running. I'd be in Kenya right now. I should be in Kenya right now. Mm -hmm. um, but because of the pandemic, um, yeah, I'd be in, I believe, north, maybe northeast Kenya right now. Yeah. Walking probably today yeah. out of the bush, <laughs> so I'm, I'm I really wish I was there, I were there, but this is this is good for me, man. Yeah. Um, you're so because you've been in Virginia for um, for so much of your life, uh, and you've seen the world as well. I wonder if you look at what's happened last few months. Uh, I think about. Um, experiences that have happened in Charlottesville that were fueled by hate um, and conversations we're now having about our monuments and about injustice. Many not new conversations, right? But there's a different energy now that exists. Um, does that resonate with you when you see our Richmond streets look the way they do, our Charlotte streets look the way they do, and statues come down when we talk about a pursuit of equity and justice like that? Do you think this is different? Does it resonate with you when you see kind of what's happening in our communities right now? It does resonate with me. I think that um, this part of the movement has been a long time coming. Mm -hmm. um, I, see, I see George Floyd as somewhat of a saint, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and I say that because this man's life was sacrificed for so many other people to live. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's just the reality of it. Um, he, he, he died for, for a lot of people to be able to live worldwide. You know, there's conversations going on in, in Northern Africa that, that wouldn't have been happening if it wasn't for the death of George Floyd, the murder of George Floyd. Um, all of this resonates with me just because of, I started along the path of working towards the just for justice for brown black and brown people as a youth my brother started teaching me about my history um again i say stuff that we don't learn in public school um at the age of 14 15 years old my brother went away to virginia state and some of the literature that he was receiving he started giving to me and they were heavy books now i was reading about nat turner when i was 15. there's not too many kids in charlottesville that were reading about nat turner when they were 15. You know, I was reading Francis Cresswell's, and a lot of it I didn't really understand, but it started to plant a seed of who I, who I am and where and how I'm perceived in the country that I live in. And so some of that education really um, just got me ready for working towards the liberation of my people. And so my, a lot of my life, I've, I've been a part of programs to work towards the liberation of black and brown people. And so the fact that we've gotten to the point now to where the world has come to, to, to its knees um, and having to, to face that this is a real thing, um, to me, it's, it's, a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing.
think that that liberation of our people looks like. Like I think about my daughter, I think about her friends, you know, and I'm grateful that my experience, like it's different than my mom's, you know, it's different than my dad's. There are no signs tell me what door to go through. Um, and I hope my daughter's experience is gonna be a little bit different than mine. But when, I, when you think about that liberation that we're pursuing and trying to achieve for black and brown people, what does it even look like? What do you think that would be for us to experience that's a, more of that? That's a really big question. Yeah. Um, however, I think it, I th for me, I always try to think of the foundation. I always try to think of like where we need to begin. And I think that until black and brown people have, um, there needs to be a, a level of independence. There needs to be a level of self-sufficiency. Self um, I do think we all need to be able to learn to feed ourselves and feed our communities. Um, I do think that we need to know how to defend ourselves. Um, I don't think that we can leave these life determining factors up to a society that wants to oppress us. Yeah. So I think, I think that's the foundation. Um, you know, in one of my tunes, I, I say uh, something like, uh, if they, you know, if they decide to burn the grocery store down, then, then what will you do? You know, how will we eat? You can't fight a revolution if you have to ask your oppressor for medical care. Um, if you have to ask your oppressor to feed you, you know, I'm hungry. I'm sorry. I know I'm fighting you right now, but I need you. I'm hungry right now. So I think that we really need to think, first of all, we need to be able to, to sustain ourselves as a community and not ask an oppressor to feed us or protect us or take care of us. I remember reading where in Jackson Ward, um, the, the police never came to Jackson Ward, you know? Uh, in the 40s, 50s, I believe, police didn't come to Jackson Ward. Jackson Ward policed themselves. Um, we policed ourselves. They, there was no need for them. Um, and, and I think that we need to get back to a point to where we really, we really take care of ourselves on that level. And I think other things will, will fall into place as well. You know, there's no military to come and save black and brown people in America. You know, I feel like if, if, if people from another country were being targeted, how black people are being targeted in America, let's say if Germans were being targeted or Russians were being targeted in America, the way black and brown people are being targeted, I honestly feel like Germany or Russia would come and do something about that. There's no one defending black and brown people in America. Um, and so when we do decide to defend ourselves, we're, we're targeted as terrorist groups. <laughs> right. You know, you, you look at the Black Panthers, they're, they're painted as a terrorist group. You look at the Black Lives Matter movement, they, they're, they're targeted as terrorists and rioters. Yeah. So, you know, it's until we are able to protect ourselves and feed ourselves, I think that, that we, we're going to be in a world of hurt. Man. Yeah. Do you, do you get a chance? I, I know you do more than just stand on stage and play music. Um, you, you give a lot. You put a lot of energy into other people and teach other people. Um, where are some of the places that you get to pour all this wisdom, <laughs> all this insight? Like where, where do you kind of get to deposit that into, into other people with some of the other work that you're, that you're doing? 
Um, it's it's mostly I work with I work with youth a lot, and so I ha I find ways to give them the same information without it being really that raw. Um, because I know like um, if somebody's if somebody has a if somebody eats a lot of meat if they have a diet that is you know that they want to change but they don't know how I'm not gonna give them like Brussels sprouts and avocado the first time to try to transition them. So I have to find ways to be creative with teaching the youth um, about ways to, to prepare them their lives. I, I work with youth at a private school out in Goochland. Not a lot of people know about that. Um, and I've been doing that for 18 years. Um, I've started to do some music improv teaching. Um, and so just try to implement that into everything that I do in some ways to, to kind of drop that off. And it's also in my music. When you, when you are pouring and teaching these kids, um, what is that helping you realize about yourself? Very often, I think when we teach, like we're, like we're learning ourselves, you know, yeah. you've been doing it for 18 years. So there's a, I'm sure these kids are different today <laughs> than they were. <laughs> Everything's <were>. different. <laughs> right? Like, what, it, what is that helping you realize about, about yourself as you're, as, you, as you're teaching the future? Um... It's real humbling, you know. It's very humbling. And one thing I tell you is just kind of funny to me. Can I curse? Can I say? Can I say a curse word? Yes. All right. <laughs> Let's try to keep it. I try to keep it clean. Um, but it's interesting. It's nice to like one thing that's humbling, and this is just kind of silly surface type stuff. But um, to go on tour, to to play music, and to to meet people from all over the place, and some people act like fans, and some people. You know, some people, oh, my God, it's so good to see you. Mighty Joshua, oh, my goodness. It's, it's far and few, but some people get excited to see me. And that feels, it feels so good to think that the art that we create um, can make somebody feel excited to see me, and they don't even know who I am. Really. So to go on tour and kind of, you know, stay, we staying in the hotels, and we eating good, we go backstage, we got a rider, you know, we got food laid out, stuff that we asked for. You know, I got dried mangoes and, you know, every, everything we asked for, towels, black towels and whatnot. And then I come back, then I come back to work. Them kids don't give a damn who I am. <laughs> you know, you better get the fuck out of my face. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's raw. It's very raw and it's humbling. It's, you know, those are the type of things that, that I hear when I may come to work when I'm dealing with a, a youth that may be struggling. Um, with communicating his emotions and his feelings, you know, they, it, it's not about everybody's created, everybody's treated the same in that environment. So it really teaches a humbleness and also just to be connected to the youth in that way. I see how, um, how small, how small we are, but how big of a change that we can, we can make um, in a community of, of our, of our youth in that way. So it's humbling for the most part. Do they, do they inspire some hope in you when you think about the potential of these young men and women that you see every day? Does that stir a little hope in you and what are, cause they gonna, they gonna be running it at some point, you know, like they're gonna be the ones in charge. They are gonna be the ones in charge. It does instill some hope in me. Um, I think when I see them grow and get a little bit older and then they, they come back and they, they tell me or they show me their families, um, they, want, they want me to see um, the life that they've created for themselves. Um, that's where, yeah, it does make me feel hopeful um, 
for the future because I see everybody wants to, everybody wants the same things, man. Hmm. Everybody wants to be happy. You know what I'm saying? Some people may not know how to um, create a path for themselves to find that happiness, but everybody, everyone wants to be comfortable. Everybody wants to be, uh, wants to contribute hmm. to their communities. They just may not know how. And so um, to see them, to see my youth figure it out and then come back and say, thank you, or come back and say, you know, um, look what I did. Um, yeah, it's definitely, it makes me hopeful for sure. So you are still in the midst of all of this, still creating new music. Um, and, you know, before we got into it, you told me that we got, we got something new coming, people. <laughs> Joshua. Um, you're working on something new. This new single is coming. Tell me a little bit about kind of this, this new work that you're developing. And, uh, and we, 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 I don't know if we're going to tell people when it drops, but just give, it, give us a little bit of what, what we can expect soon from, uh, from Mighty Joshua. So, okay. So I got a couple things going on. And I, I would be, it, would be, uh, it would be ill of me not to mention uh, the album that I am doing with uh, uh, Design Number 5. Um, and so we are recording an album. We've been recording this album for about five or six years. <laughs> the band is so ready for this thing to drop. Um, we've had a couple of obstacles, but um, we are definitely in the last, maybe have two or three more sessions um, before that'll be finished, before we will do the mixing and the mastering. So I would honestly try to give you a January, February okay. release date for my band's album. Yeah. Um, but we have very little work to do left on that before you get that. Um, so I also found myself in a project that I'm working with. It's uh, a brother named Mongizi. He's a artist that lives in DC. Um, he's from South Africa. He's toured with, uh, he was Lucky Dubé's guitarist. He's also toured with uh, Hugh Masekela, um, and a lot of South African artists. He tours with a guy named Vusi. And he works with um, a lot of amazing artists throughout the diaspora. Mm -hmm. And so he asked me to be a part of a project that um, I'm real excited about, man. It's seven songs. Um, it's a cultural experience. My song is the only song that's in English. There are songs in Zulu. There are songs in Swahili. There are songs in Arabic. Um, and, uh, and it's being mastered right now. So this, this is something that I'm really excited about because it's, it's, it's something, it's me stepping into a space that's very different than what I would normally do, but I feel like I fit. And to be working with this caliber of artists, it's, and to be welcomed into that community is pretty, um, it's pretty exciting. Mm -hmm. So the song is called Snooze, is the tune that, that, we're, that we're doing together. So that's look out for it. All right. You, you are also doing what many people um, are doing and you're using the internet to try and be in front of people to perform. Um, what, it's been a little challenging for me. Like my band, we tried, like we tried to like collaborate through the technology and put some music together. Uh, what's it been like to try and take what you do? And like, I've sat, I've had, I've watched you. Like I've watched you all the phone, right? <laughs> You to the speakers, it's like, all right, we go, we go get it, get it, get it. In, get it. Uh, thank you, brother. Thank you. But, like, what was that like just to kind of set up outside or some other places and like turn on a camera and try to 
try to connect with the vibe and vibe with the people. Like, I, were you guys able to just kind of figure it out? Did it feel okay to, <laughs> to live stream a show and just kind of be in place without a crowd in front of you? Man, you know this shit's strange, man. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It really you is. know this is weird. It's strange. Um, it's, I'll say a couple things about it. First of all, I mean, we're all, we're all engineers now. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're all sound techs. We're all, we're, we're all lighting experts. You know what I'm saying? Like, we have to do everything. And I don't enjoy giving people who pay money and support us, like a subpar anything when it comes to music. So we have to try to figure out how to be the best that we can be, whether it be the quality of sound that you're going to receive. I'm not into playing a guitar in my bathroom with my cell phone. Like... And, and try to, and no disrespect to anybody, if that's what you have, then do what you have to do to meet the people that need it. But I have some, I'm fortunate to have some things that, and know some people that can kind of make it the best quality show that we can. So I want to be able to step it up. And so we have to try to, you know, it helps to have my guitar player. He's also an engineer. And so he has crazy devices that makes it so we can sound really clean and crisp. Um, but to play to your computer or to play to your phone, um, it's definitely something missing. Yeah. You know, when you're like, hey, how y'all feeling? And no one says anything at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's strange, man. It's strange. Yeah. But it's necessary right now. And I'd rather do that and feed some people who use us like medicine, mm. then not do it. You know, I started getting messages saying, Joshua, like we, we need you all during this time. Like, like <laughs> your music is therapy. So don't, don't be intimidated by a Zoom uh, show or don't be intimidated by the technology. Just give us whatever you got. And so that's been the motivation for saying, all right, you know what? We'll figure it out and we'll try to give it the best that we had. It is a gift. So I, as a, as a listener, I, I appreciate that you've given us that gift. Uh, and it is like, there, there is this medicine that, that we need. We need each other. We need that that energy. We need to dance and sweat (laughs) each other. Um, and as awkward as it is, like, even though I can't, I'm not in a room with you, it, it pleases me to be able to see you on my phone and to hear your voice. You know what I mean? So there's still, there's still a connection that's being made that is soul fulfilling. Like, I feel good being in this conversation with you. Um, and so I can't, I can't negate that. Like, there's still a connection that can be made through this plastic and mm-hmm. wires and all the things. And ting, you know? Yeah. yeah. You know, every time I, I'm in a conversation like this, I, I try to think about, um, you know, ways that we can, I don't know, just like inspire hope in people. And, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot out here that can make you just sit in despair, you know, and, uh, and lose sight of the goodness that's around us. One of the things that I think you do for us as an artist, like you remind us of what's true. Like you, you bring balance, right? Um, I think you're actual and you're factual, but you, you give us some balance. Um, 
what do you think is is the hope for for Richmond for Virginia? Like, who could we be? What can we do with this moment? What can we do with this energy that's in our streets? The movement that is happening. Like, who could we become? What could we do with this? One thing I would say is, in my mind, Mm -hmm. uh, this pandemic has been like the great equalizer. You know what I mean? This COVID doesn't affect strictly poor people or strictly rich people or strictly people in one state. It affects the entire world. And so everyone has to somewhat submit to what COVID makes you do. Like COVID says you can't leave the house. You know what I mean? Like, or that you're better off staying at home. You know, I think that we have to, it's a great equalizer. It doesn't just affect one population of people. Mm -hmm. And so it really gives some people an opportunity to, who haven't, who haven't really been able to take care of some things, take care of some things. Mm -hmm. I also laugh and it's really not funny, but you know, for the longest, this was like a government funded revolution. Mm. You know, when you look at, you know, and I, I always say that the oppressor always looks forward to Monday because you got to go back to work, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they always say is everything is going to be fine on Monday when everybody got to go back to work to feed their kids. You know what I'm saying? But, and, and students got to go back to school on Monday and you know, the streets will be clear. Well, with this pandemic, and Monday never came. Mm. Not only that, but people were able to receive checks from the government to stay at home. Mm-hmm. But it gave time for a rise. People had that energy and that time to be able to then go to the streets and have that energy and be able to build up that energy to apply some pressure to make some change. And so I think that this time is a time where we're really able to, it's like a even, it, it evens some things out. It gives the oppressed uh, an opportunity to really be able to apply some pressure. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it can level some things, you know? I think politicians have to kind of, they have to submit to the people that support them to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. And I think if, if pressure continues to be applied, then you scream loud enough, they'll hear you. And um, whatever change doesn't take place, I think that um, the people will see it through in, in the long run. I think that that's been, so I think some change has happened. I think that we have a long way to go. Um, but being an art city, um, being a city that the youth kind of fuel the energy in the city, I think that sky's the limits, man. It can be whatever we want it to be. You know, we, we shape our communities. Um, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question at all. It, it does. But... It, it reminds me of, um, so you and I have a very similar, um, musical foundation. So my, like if, on a Saturday like this, very similarly, I would have been cleaning the house. There would have been 45s and eight tracks and radio <laughs> on, uh, Go to your house when it's over with, man. <laughs> <laughs> but like, like, but, but and, and my mom had that big console just like you did, you know. Uh, but I, I remember that, um, I'll take one artist as an example. James Brown told me two things. He said that I had to be proud about being black. 
But then he also told me that I had to get up and get into it and I had to get involved. <laughs> yeah. There was a soundtrack to this movement. The music that came out of, you know, 40s and the 50s and the 60s and the 70s, like artists were telling us things. They were painting pictures for us. And then hip hop started and it was a brand new canvas, but they were telling us things and they were reminding us who we were. It was in our music, it was in our poetry, like it was all around us. And I think all movements have a soundtrack. All revolutions have a soundtrack. And we need artists, like we need artists like you to remind us and to tell us and to push us, to inspire us. Do you see like Richmond artists kind of starting to create this soundtrack of this movement, like to be the, um, to be the voice for us, to inspire us and like, like those artists did, you know, generations ago, but like giving us the soundtrack to this, this movement that's happening right now. Artistically, and I, you know, I, I'm maybe the wrong person to ask uh, this type of question because I am very much a recluse. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really listen to Lil Wayne, but I heard him say that people were asking him in an interview about certain artists mm -hmm. and he had no input. He, 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 he did not, he couldn't. And some of the artists that he was being asked about, I'm like, how do you not know about what this artist is doing? Mm -hmm. But I sometimes find myself and I'm in that phase right now in my life. And it's not always like that. Mm -hmm. where I become a bit of a recluse and I'm trying to create. And when I'm trying to create, I often shut myself off from a lot of what's going on around me. Mm -hmm. So there's periods of taking information in for me. Mm -hmm. I can't do it really well simultaneously, taking in information and putting out information at the same time. I have moments where I receive and then I put out. So I'll, you ask me that question, I'm a little bit removed from what, you know, Richmond artists are doing, to be honest with you. I heard a tune that Sam Reed and Calvin Presents did, it yo, was, that joint. Right? What you mean? <laughs> so, and that has that feeling of the time when we had soundtracks to movements, yeah. you know? So I definitely think that it's present. Um, I'm working on a tune right now. I'm giving, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, bro. Yeah. I just finished writing it. Don't nobody notice. All right. Oh, no one, no, <laughs> no one knows this except my band and maybe not even my whole band knows about this, but I'm just finished writing a song called unity is our weapon. Mm. And this is probably, I write songs about old stories and this is probably it's still a very old story, but and it's presented in a very old way, but it's a message for right now. And so um, I'm creating, and, and it hurts me sometimes to say I don't know what's going on, um, but I'm finally in a space where I'm creating, and I'm not always in that space, and I'm thankful I'm in that space right now. So big up to Sam Reed and uh, Calvin Presents. I'm a huge fan, and uh, they, they produce a banger for this time right now. So... Um, I hope that other artists are being able to create right now because it's a powerful time to create. So, Well, but you also, I think there's, you, you bring up a really good discipline of, um, I'm the same way. Like as I can go 125 miles an hour all the time, 
but to have mm-hmm. moments. I know this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, you ain't no joke, man. I... <laughs> yeah. But like to have moments to come back and like shut it down and just the discipline of listening, like to open myself up to my creator, to open myself up to myself and the world around me and let me see what happens. What do I learn about myself? How does that pour into my art? How do I pour it into my daughter? Like I, but I gotta, I, it's gotta stop. Like I can't always consume. Right. Um, so you have that discipline to say, I just gotta create. So for me to create, I've gotta orient my life in a particular way. Well, I try, I, that's what I, I, I try to do. Yeah. But it's not, again, this is, that, that is not up to me. It comes when it comes. And when I guess when I realize like I'm eating, I'm eating, I'm eating, and I guess when I'm full, you know, I, maybe I feel something that then allows me to go and kind of, you know what I mean? Like let it all out. But it, I wish I could schedule it and plan it, but it just hasn't been that way for me as a writer or a creator. It comes sometimes in some of the most inappropriate times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got to run out of a meeting just so I can get this tune onto my phone so that I can try it out later on. Um, yeah, so that's kind of how that has happened. Yeah. It's, I'm so fresh in this music writing thing to where I haven't figured out my cycles and I haven't figured out my, my I'm figuring out my methods right now. I know what I need to be in a space um, once I get there. But yeah, yeah. that's neither here nor there. Is there any artist that you, that you really want to work with? Like on your list of folks, like, man, if, if I could collab with that person, if I could be on something with that person, yeah, I, yeah. So, so there is is interesting because when you when you put yourself when you say you you do a type of a certain type of music like a certain genre of music, then it's like almost like you box yourself off from like a whole lot of other artists that you could be working with. And so I think because you know because I'm a reggae artist, I think sometimes. Uh, other opportunities to work with artists that exist in other genres. Sometimes it just gets kind of cut off and it's just like, we just see each other and we speak and we say hello and we kind of keep it moving. Um, but yeah, I definitely, um, I want to, I would love locally, I just named two of them that I'd love to work with. Um, Calvin Presents and, and Sam Reed. Um, I would love to work. I, I was playing with this whole thing with uh, having a brass band a full brass band learn all of my my tracks on my album and have maybe percussion but have pretty much 100% brass play my tracks and we present to Richmond something like that so we were working with the Peppers uh, VCU at, at one time we were going to do like a mighty parade we got these had these ideas it just didn't kick off it was kind of weird I wish it had kicked off um, kind of played with uh, there was a band called Union Union States, states, I can't remember the name, but Gordon Jones, um, a horn player, was a part of a, um, a brass band. I really wanted to work with those guys. And um, outside of here, I'm a huge fan of this guy named Protégé um, out of Jamaica. Um, yeah, I, if, I mean, wish list, I'd love to do a tune with like Burning Spear or something like that, but uh, you know? Um, yeah, that's about it. I, I was, I, I was gonna ask. So since you cut off, you might not have, you might not have this fresh. But 
uh, when you're in a car, do you listen to music? Like, what's on? Are you uh, like off, like silence, or do you actually have a like you listen to something in the car when you're driving? It's funny. And if so, I will ask you the last thing you heard was in the car. <laughs> um, that's so. That's that's interesting. Sometimes I'll realize that it's complete silence. Like I'll drive an hour and realize that there's nothing, there's nothing on. But I think sometimes I'm I fast from music and sound when I'm when I'm creating because I want. You know, there's nothing new under the sun. And you can very easily be influenced by what you're jamming in your ear. You know what I mean? And so sometimes I think it's almost unintentional, but I will have silence in the house. I will have silence in my car um, because I think that it allows me to kind of find my own song and find my own space. But the last time, the last time that I was in the car and music was on, it was Probably, I I've been listening to Alice Coltrane. Yeah, a little bit. It's like space music almost. And so even still, it's like with without a lot of words mm -hmm. and beautiful um, instrumentation. Yeah. Probably Alice Coltrane. But I do enjoy I do enjoy a a, a very foolish radio tune. I don't let's let let's get that uh, let's get. <laughs> I'm here for all the fuckery. I'm here for all. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm, you can beat that out. I apologize. But you can say fuckery. It's all right. We're here for it. We're here for the. Fuckery. Okay. All right. But I, I, I enjoy. I, I enjoy all all of our music, man. Um, yeah. There is this. There is this joy that black people have. It's the black cookout, right? It is when Frankie Beverly and Maze comes on, like there's this thing and it's, I, you can't help it. It just happens, man. You hear those hits, you hear those notes. Are we doing electric side? Is this happening? Right, right. <laughs> yes, we are. Like it just yes. happens. It just happens. And, you know, when my, when my daughter does it, when we see our little babies do it, this is something, man. I just, it's, it's just beautiful. It's just beautiful when we see it. It's already there, bro. Yeah. It's like a heartbeat, man. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and that's. I, I, mean, you're, I mean, I mean, your shows are like that, right? You guys step out, hit a couple, you know, those first couple of hits, and we're, like, you take us there, man. Like well, that you, is, like you inspire that in us, you stir that in us. That is one of the highest honors. I think that my band, they're very selfless, and they want to give all that they have. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm real thankful for that. That when it comes to releasing that part of themselves and giving their music, they don't hold any back for themselves. They really want to be able to like give it. So you hear it and you feel it in the music. And so if that's what you get from it, man, that is uh, one of the highest honors that I can say. Um, that's, that's awesome. Thank you. Well, man, I look, this has been dope. I man, don't go, don't go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we got, we got to, we got, we got to stop the episode because folks got stuff to do. They've been yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, but um, yeah, we already talked about we we. So when we get back to being in spaces, we gonna we gonna do this in space, and maybe we do it and like and there's actual music playing, and maybe you know by that point these brand new singles and all these new albums, <laughs> we could have a forty lessons exclusive with Mighty Joshua 
You know, I loved we'll, it. We'll figure the thing out. We'll figure the thing out. I'm a DJ too, so I'll 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 spin for it. I'll spin for you. We're just you can just sit. We're just gonna do a turn up. We just go go ahead. Get Let's do it. <laughs> you can just sit back, and I'll just play for you. Look, I'm about that. Um, <laughs> but I no, I I do. I appreciate you carving out some time to sit and share. And uh, this has been great, man. This has been really good. I appreciate your your, your effort, your energy, all the things you do, uh, and for taking this time with me. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tyler. Thanks again to Mighty Joshua for coming on the podcast. Make sure you are following Mighty Joshua on all the socials so you can hear and see him when he's performing somewhere with the band. Uh, when some of this new music comes out, which I'm excited about, uh, so make sure you are following Mighty Joshua. One of the things that Joshua gets to do is support the Makindu Children's Program. It's over in eastern Kenya. It is a center that provides the nutritional and medical needs of hundreds of destitute AIDS orphans and other vulnerable children. Uh, as well, they give them access to some education through high school, uh, some psychological support, just being good advocates for them. They do some vocational training. Uh, I watched some of the videos on YouTube, some beautiful children, some foster families are taking care of the kids as well. Some really good things are happening over there in Eastern Kenya. Uh, they're struggling, of course, because of the pandemic, like so many organizations are. Uh, so they could use some support. Uh, they could use some help. So go check them out. Makindu, M-A-K-I-N-D-U dot org. Go check out the Makindu Children's Program and the really important work that they are doing over in Eastern Kenya. As always, thank you for listening to the podcast. And please, 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 please make sure that you are doing your best to take care of yourself. Carve out time for yourself. Do that self-care. Put yourself in places that are uh, good for just healing and support and for joy. Just, just take care of yourself. And let's make sure we are taking care of each other Call, text, stop by, wave, check on your neighbors, all the things. Just make sure we're taking care of each other. We'll be back next week with another episode in this new season of the 40 Lessons Podcast. Take care.